Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason, where every week we discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. We keep it interesting. We keep it fun. And I bring you great guests like today. You know, we're always told in this industry we should communicate about agriculture. We should educate our consumers about agriculture. We're told this at every meeting we go to. My personal opinion, I don't know that a lot of our consumers really want to be educated. I don't know that we can communicate something that we do or are so familiar about with a bunch of people that have never done it. But I've got a guest who does just that. She is the farm babe. That's right. She is Michelle Miller, farm babe, social media star, and my guest today. She's going to be talking to us about communicating ag, educating people about ag, talking about agriculture. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the farm babe, Michelle Miller. Hey, Damien, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for being on here. All right, Michelle Miller, Northeast Iowa resident, speaker, social media uh, extraordinaire, Ag Daily contributor, and you're known as the farm babe. Tell me about about what I missed. And and I farm, too. I've got my sheep. Uh, Bucking Lamb Palace is the name of my little sheep flock, and I do farmer's markets and stuff, so sell meat direct to consumer and yeah, you make me sound busy, and I kind of am. <laughs> well, when you go on the farmbabe.com, which I recommend that the listeners do that, when you go on the farmbabe.com, you'll learn about uh, Michelle Miller. You'll see what she does and, and all of her outreach, and you'll see her columns. You'll see pictures of her out there on the farm with the Suffolk sheep, and uh, she's got a lot going on. So answer me this. Who is the farm babe? I remember when, well, you, I remember when you created the farm babe. I, was I did, early, yes. Early, early one of the... You were one of the people I reached out to. It was like about four years ago. Um, Yeah, you know, it was about that time that I had discovered the food babe. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with her spreading a ton of misinformation out there um, about agriculture. And I had commented on her social media. Just she had been spreading a lot of misinformation about GMOs and whatnot. And when I commented correcting the misinformation, I was banned from her page in like five seconds. So when I realized that farmers and scientists and all these really smart people were being banned, it kind of inspired me to start my page as the farm babe. So that's kind of how it was born, was after I discovered this Facebook group called Banned by the Food Babe, which has 10,000 members. So I was like, you know, this is just crazy. So um, yeah, I, I really just kind of created it as a way to educate consumers how their food is produced from a science-based perspective. I feel like farmers and scientists and all these people, a lot of times their voices are really easily um, drowned out with misinformation. So kind of use that as a way to give them a bigger voice. You have an amazing social media following. If you are listening to this podcast and you want to check her out, uh, she's got a Facebook page. She's got 75,000 people to get up with her. And like I said, she writes a column for the Ag Daily website. What are you working on? Tell me, tell me what your, what's your, what's your latest one? What's your column that's in the works right now? Oh, the one I guess that just came out today is just talking about the struggles happening in farming right now, as far as the low grain prices and the emotional toil that it's taking. Um, especially for us, I guess in our thirties, you know, the older generation, they get it maybe because they experienced the economic downturn of the eighties and stuff like that. So I had to reach out to some older people to see how they got through it and what they did. And it can be tough because if we're in a relationship with a farmer and 
they're really sad or short with you or something like that. Like you just have to be patient and kind, surround yourself with positive people. So my article today really kind of hits people in the feels and raises awareness to the general public that maybe doesn't understand the struggles about how 90% of dairy farms have gone out of business since 1970. I mean, there's some really serious issues happening in our industry that I think more people need to understand. I think a lot of people in the cities think, oh, look at these farmers, you know, these rich farmers, you know, and it's like, well, not really. <laughs> so that's kind of what it's about today. It's just so people have a better understanding of the struggles that happen on today's farms. Okay, how we so can overcome that and support that, you know. You're, you're obviously active. You you keep up. Uh, you operate from Northeast Iowa. You travel around like I do. You do talks. Uh, what is it you love about what you do? and What do you dislike about what you do? I love getting to talk to people that don't know a lot about agriculture. I love the ability to help debunk myths, help people not fear their food. Uh, I used to be that girl that spent way too much money on groceries. So it's, I mean, I gave a talk in April in Boston. It was awesome. Um, you know, a bunch of moms in yoga pants, you know, like typical millennials that probably shop at Whole Foods and are well-to-do. And then, but, but people today are so confused with grocery store, uh, grocery store labels. You know, you say, how many of you are confused by labels? And literally every hand goes up. So I really like that ability to break the barrier outside of agriculture and talk to real life people in the cities that have no idea what happens on today's farms. That's my favorite thing. What's your least favorite thing? I think my least favorite thing is like time management because I wear so many hats. It's kind of hard to say somebody says, what do you do? I'm kind of like, uh, <laughs> what don't I do a little bit, you know? So there's always stuff going on and, and, Sometimes I'm to the point where I'm like, you know, I would really like a day where I have nothing to do. <laughs> like I would like a day to just relax and not get any emails and not get, you know, and I, I love what I do. Don't get me wrong. But <clears throat> least favorite thing I think is, is time management is like just needing a breather from it all. Cause I don't get a day off, <laughs> you know? Yeah, if someone, uh, we, we are self-employed people doing what we do and, you know, you're always able to do something because people say, well, gosh, you know, when you're not traveling, what do you do? I said, well, create content, contact clients, uh, work on the business side of my business. So I think that there's people that get that. There's people that don't quite get it. And I remember somebody said once, well, don't you have an agent? And I think they have this idea that uh, they watch someone in Hollywood that laid around by their pool and then, uh, you know, everyone handles stuff for them. It's not quite like that. Of course, if you yeah. ask me my least favorite thing, I don't really like traveling that much. Um, really? I really that don't. That surprises me. I thought that you would, you would, but you know, you've been doing it a lot longer than I have. Been doing it a long time. 24 years. August 1st will begin my 25th year since I quit wow. my corporate job to be a paid humor guy turned into an ag guy. So, Educating the consumer, and I want to just cover something right now. A bunch of your articles are about GMOs, and I actually personally believe that this whole thing is about a year or two away from being irrelevant. Um, I said this a couple of years ago. I said, oh, yeah, 2013-14, I was shooting videos, and I was going on social media trying to tell these people, hey, share it with your city friends. Share it with your suburban friends. But you know, label away, label away, because eventually it won't matter. There's labels on food right now that don't even get looked at. So what do you think on the GMO thing? When does it go away? When does it stop mattering? 
Bingo. Actually, you, I feel like you just took the thoughts out of my mind. I have been saying this and I agree with you because we have labeled the consumer to death. I think more and more people are becoming skeptical of labels. I think that even if they come out with new labels, more and more consumers are realizing, you know, I started my blog three and a half years ago and what it was like then, what the GMO topic was like then as compared to what it is now, I've seen a huge shift. There's a lot less engagement on the anti-GMO crowd. There is much more traction on our science-based crowd. Mm -hmm. And through my times writing these articles, I have seen more people want less labels. And nowadays, I mean, I boycott any label that's got that stupid butterfly on it, the non-GMO project, I boycott that label like the flag. That's, that's the non-GMO, in case you're listening to this and you're saying, what are these folks talking about? The non-GMO project then sells, sells food companies on the right to use their label to say that it's verified that there are no GMOs in it, which really, it's not a label. It's, it is, of course, but it's, it's a fundraiser. It is a profit center for a, an advocacy group. And so if you didn't know that, that's what the non-GMO project is. It's, a, it's an advocacy group that uses their label to, brilliant when you really think about it, because what you and I should do is come to the thing that says, non-poisonous, verified by David yeah. and Michelle. Yeah, it's scientifically meaningless because everything we eat has been modified. GMOs do great things for farmers by letting us use less chemicals or produce more crop on less land. I mean, there's so many benefits. And the more people are learning that, the more people are going to take revenge on their wallet. And now when I go grocery shopping, I'm actually saving a ton of money because it's kind of hard nowadays to find that, a product that doesn't have that on there. So I think we're seeing a huge shift in speaking out to food companies and telling them, you know, that's not what we want. So, well, the consumer wants non-GMO. Actually, no, they don't. There's more people that would love to see it all go away. And I agree with you. I think we're making a big shift. And I believe in the next couple of years, I'm sure food companies will come up with the next trend, right? But well, it's more, it's more the resistance. It's more the resistance than it is the food companies. It's more the advocacy groups than the food companies. Food companies do whatever they think can sell. I think it's the advocacy groups that push the anti-GMO messaging. Yes, but if you look at who funds the anti-GMO movement, organic food companies, non-GMO food companies, the non-GMO project, they are the ones that are funding the advocacy groups. So if you look at, say, who funds the environmental working group who puts out the dirty dozen, well, it's funded by Whole Foods, Organic Valley, Apple, you know, and don't quote me on those exact companies, but I do have a list. I did write an article about this. Yeah, here's my shameless plug. This is, if you guys get a chance to read this article, it's called The Fat Lies and Fatter Wallets of Anti-GMO Lobbyists. And the organic industry, and I've got nothing against organic farmers, right? You want to farm organically, go for it. But the organic food companies are spending nearly $3 billion a year to lead with fear to sell their products. So people say, oh, I hate GMOs. Oh, yeah? So what do you buy? Oh, I only buy organic. Well, that's what they want. They want you to fear something so that you buy their product. Absolutely. It's a cycle of follow the money. Absolutely. But there's definitely a little bit of both, you know? So if you forgot, I'm talking to the farm babe. She's a uh, contributor to Ag Daily. She's a speaker. She's a social media star. And she's uh, joining me on the business of agriculture. And I, in the opening of this whole podcast, said, I believe it's difficult, if not impossible, to educate the consumer for two reasons. First off, they have never raised a calf. They've never produced a crop. And I tell the suburban friends of mine in Arizona when I'm at the winter home, 
uh, hey, do you realize your little backyard chicken flock in your herb garden is going to produce less human caloric intake than, uh, than I did with, uh, as my job feeding the calves on our dairy farm for like the month of October 1977? <laughs> Just a matter of scale. So there's <clears throat> you have education, but I really don't think most consumers care. Just going back to labeling, I think that they have a certain uh, fear factor. They have a certain I will respond factor, but then ultimately human laziness sets in. They say, I don't know. I guess I just eat whatever I want. I don't really care. What do you think? Are we going to educate these people or do they just, do they just really ultimately not care? I think there's definitely some truth to that. Um, a vast majority of people probably do kind of feel that way. I mean, if you think about it, you go to a restaurant, I mean, people just want to eat what tastes good. They're not going to like send back the French fries because they aren't non-GMO project verified. You know what I mean? Like a majority of people don't care, but then there are a lot of people that do care, particularly with, you know, maybe like a new mom, you know, um, that only want to, you know, you, you can talk to some moms maybe that buy two sets of groceries, right? Like their husband eats junk food, but they want to buy organic milk for their little ones because they really care about them. Right. So I think there's a lot of people that care. I also think there's a lot of people that like me don't like to be lied to. So my background as a big city girl in my twenties, I did spend too much money on groceries. So when you realize you've been duped, you want to fight back twice as hard. Mm -hmm. So I think that some of this labeling nonsense is actually going to come back to bite them because when you realize well, this, this isn't true. Everything we eat has been modified. You know, GMOs do great things for farmers. You almost kind of want to retaliate, if that makes sense. I don't know that, so, anybody's gonna do, I don't know that anyone, any consumer is going to do it because they think that GMOs do anything for a farmer because I don't know that they care. If it was a story that you're helping a small family farm, they'd love to buy into that, whatever that yeah. means. Local, small, yeah. sustainable, and family are words that the consumer loves, even though it doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot. Uh, yeah. Of those words. It, it does, but also to help the planet. You know, I think if you can say, well, we can grow more crop on less land with fewer inputs and take better care of the soil with no-till and all that stuff, I think there's huge benefits in that when you focus on the environment and the health of the crop and ultimately the health of us. I tell my ag audiences, Michelle, that what we absolutely must do is if we're going to communicate this, it needs to be all about environment because environmentalism is a religion in the United States and in Canada at this point in time, Western Europe. So if you want to sell the GMO story, make it real simple. More product, less uh, resources, and that's why we're going to do this. It means less land. It means less bulldozing of rainforest. It means less... Yeah endangered species. And I think that's the, the environmental angle is the one that we need to go with, not labeling and, and any of these other issues. I agree. And you know, the other thing too, that you don't see any food company doing is using humor. I don't understand why all these food companies keep going down the same route of label, 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 label. But you think about companies that are really successful or, you know, like a Super Bowl commercial, it's always like humor. You know, it's people pushing the envelope, like Geico commercials, like who doesn't love Geico commercials? But why isn't there a food company out there pushing the envelope with something that's got just a goofy label that, you know, you pick it up and you, you see the logo and it's so funny or it's got such a funny name. I mean, my farm name is Bucking Lamb Palace, right? And it's all about the puns where you're like, where we treat our livestock like royalty. And I've got a ram named william i mean stupid stuff like that that people see the 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 logo or the name and they think oh that's kind of cute and then 
then they get a chuckle and you start to talk to them. Why aren't there more food companies trying something different? Like we are non GMOing people to death. Like we are organic, gluten-free organic unicorn, blessed, free range, antibiotic, free, no added hormones, like to the point where everybody's like, this is BS and we get it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. By the way, the farm that I'm sitting at right now, my farm, when we first bought it, had a sign up front that said fine cattle. And I made the joke that uh, I thought that was arrogant. I replaced it with a sign that said average to slightly below average cattle. <laughs> Did you? Uh, I actually didn't. My wife wouldn't let me, but I wanted to. Okay. That would be awesome. Uh, talking to the farm babe, and she would be by many of her describers, by her audience, by her followers, she'd probably be called an advocate. Are you an advocate? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people that don't like that term. I don't like the term. I don't like the term because it's not a word. And I'm afraid yeah. that even though it's kind of clever, and I've been described that also because I'm a proponent of modern agriculture, people say, ah, oh, Damien Mason's an advocate. And I say, I don't know if I, it's not a word. It's not a word. I, well, it sounds like we're, we don't know English. It's an advocate for agriculture. And yes, I am very much an advocate for agriculture. Yes, I am an advocate. Hashtag so, advocate. I you, think it's good. Do you use the word? Do you use the word? I do sometimes. Yeah, okay. but not so much. I mean, I might use it in, in a speech if I'm talking to a crowd about how to become a better advocate and explain what that term means. Um. But yeah, I mean, I use it sometimes. I don't really have anything for or against it. It is what it is. But I could understand why some people would find it a little annoying, I guess. All right, farm babe. I'm going to tell you one other thing that I find annoying. And, uh, and it's on your website. So you've got to realize this is a little bit of criticism that you're getting from Uh-oh. me. Your podcast Uh-oh. host. You use the word passion. And I used to do that also. On my website, it used to say that Damien Mason is a funny guy that knows a lot about agriculture and he's passionate about the industry. And then it dawned on me, everybody and their sister is passionate. If you go on LinkedIn, everybody that's looking for a career or a job change on LinkedIn is passionate. I honestly got saw a guy that like, he his background was he sold like reflector tape and he said he was passionate about, who in the hell is passionate <laughs> about reflector tape? <laughs> I've gotten away from using the word passion because passion means, a, a, you know, an almost uncontrollable emotion. And I don't know that anybody is uncontrollably emotional to their benefit. You know, if you're uncontrollably <laughs> emotional about soybeans, you, you know, you're probably not making good business decisions. So yeah, I, I, I can understand your, um, your, their, your thoughts there. I can understand that. Uh, I don't know though, if you're not using the word passionate, how else would you describe it? If it's something, you know, I don't know. They say, if you do what you love and the money will follow. And I mean, I can look back on my career in my twenties. I've had a lot of different careers You know, I was in sales and fashion and all sorts of weird stuff. And, but when you go through these different life transitions and you do kind of find your calling, like, I feel like I found my calling, my aha, my light bulb. Uh, and it's a really great feeling where I can say, I'm pretty passionate about what I do, but if you don't say that, if you know, I think passion has to come along the lines of like starting my social media and doing all that stuff. Like I did it because I wanted to, not because anybody's ever paid, you know, paid me or I mean, yeah, I make some money doing what I do now, but you know, when you first start out and you're not making money as a blogger for the first year, two years, however many, you do it because you want it, because you you love it, because you really care about the topic. And then yeah, the next thing you know, you can build a brand, which is great. But if you're not going to use that term, yeah, you're not passionate about reflector tape. I get that. 
But if you're not going to use that, what would you put in its place? Well, I, I guess my only problem with, I don't know that I need to replace it because passion is so used by everybody right now to describe the, how they are about their job, their business, their life. I say, are you really uncontrollably emotional about your job? Because I'm not sure that's a good thing. I don't know if I would consider passion to be uncontrollably emotional. I you think know what, pa- passion <laughs> also, uh, here's how passion gets used. It gets used by people that describe current modern day on, on their professional feelings. Um, it gets used, it means it uncontrollably emotional, a very strong urge. It also is described, uh, used to describe a murder between two ex-lovers. So I don't know that, I'm not, I'm not going to buy into the passion thing so much. All right. Michelle Miller, The Farm Baby. What does the ag industry do right? What does the ag industry do wrong? The ag industry does things right in a sense where the research is totally on point. Uh, The way that we are progressing from a science-based perspective is amazing. The way that we're able to utilize better equipment to, uh, man, we really got to celebrate all the cool stuff that's going on in our industry. And, you know, there's some places doing that really well. Like, for example, you know, I went to Fair Oaks Farm. Now you're, you're in Indiana, so I'm sure you've been there. You talk about if nobody knew anything about Fair Oaks Farm, they might drive past it and just see a bunch of white buildings and say, oh, factory farm, because they milk, what, 4,000 cows, um, something like that. But if you, um, are you there? Okay, sorry, my, I just got a battery uh, warning. Um, anyway, so, but, it, but because they open up this agritourism, there is a beautiful way to tell the story that everybody loves. So I think we need to do more of that. Uh, is is celebrating these things and opening our doors to consumers and letting them know all the cool stuff, selling it in a fun, funny, unique, different way. That's also, I guess, the downfall is that we need to do more of that. You know, the downfalls of agriculture is we have no celebrities. We have no mainstream movies. We have nobody talking about it your culture on say, you know, good morning America or the Rachel Rachel or whatever. We have celebrities out there running their mouths like Natalie Portman railing against factory farming and talking about going vegan when she's got millions upon millions of people that saw that and take it as face value because she's Natalie Portman and ever, you know, she's got millions of fans. So what are we doing wrong? We have nothing to counter act the celebrities we're being reactive and not proactive well that's true and i don't know where we're going to get them i mean you and i can go out here all we want but we don't have the following of say uh uh jennifer garner uh <laughs> started an organic baby food company and she told all of her fans that she's going to grow the blueberries right on her family farm in oklahoma i don't think there's a damn blueberry grown in the state of oklahoma but, uh, <laughs> oh my God. God, she can tell her fans that and they're going to go buy her organic baby food Oh my gosh. Information. I'm talking about the business of agriculture because that's what we do here. It's the business of agriculture podcast, the future of agriculture. All right. You're a smart kid. Farm babe. Tell me what it looks like. The future of agriculture, I think looks so bright, uh, man. I wish more people could get on farms. I wish we could just have everybody see what we see on a daily basis. And not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody gets to visit the farms, talk to farmers, all that stuff. Um, but uh, I think with scientific advancements and technology, there's all these new technologies coming out there like virtual fencing and so many more data points to monitor health. We're reducing our mortality rate. We're doing more with, with less uh, scientific advancements, unlocking a plant's potential to protect 
itself to use less chemicals. CRISPR. Um, there's, I think it's bright. I think it's beautiful. I think we need to celebrate it. And I think we need more people talking about it. And yeah, you and I can talk about it in speeches and writing and whatnot, but we need to go bigger. I think our industry overall just needs to go a lot bigger with celebrities, with movies, with um, putting it out there in a huge mainstream funny way. Are you familiar with Peel Back the Label, the Peel Back the Label campaign? I have not seen any about Peel Back the Label. Tell me about okay. Peel Back the Label. It's amazing. You have to search the hashtag, hashtag Peel Back the Label. It's a new campaign. And they did a video called, they partnered with Funny or Die. And they did this great video. It reached over a million people. And it talked about how your milk is GMO free. And they did this big sales pitch about it. And it's these guys laughing and you just have to watch it. But it's so funny. And it tells the consumer how they're being duped. And I think we need a lot more of that that pushes the envelope. That's we do need so a lot more of that. And I, I'll give you another one. I was a speaker at the, uh, the Farmer and Rancher Alliance uh, back when they first started, like six years ago. And I made the point, you, you know, we're funding uh, ag in the classroom. Uh, <laughs> the average ag teacher is a younger female that is from the suburbs that leans liberal. And I'm, I'm not being mean. You can just look up the demographics. I mean, that is the demographic of an elementary educator. And you're going to hand her a package of material and say, tell them why we use GMOs. It is not going to work. I said, if you want to speak on behalf of agriculture, you know what the Farmers and Ranchers Alliance should do? Hire people like me and you and put us in front of the Chamber of Commerce every day in some small, medium, or large city. Because you and I can speak to business people about why this is a tremendous industry and here's what we want from you. A little understanding and to be left alone from a regulatory standpoint. That would take us a lot further than giving a binder to an elementary school teacher that's never even been on a farm. Yeah. I, I like the Ag in the Classroom program. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, there's ways to go about it that are... I mean, you have to think about why the anti-GMO movement is what it is and why the why PETA and all these people get this traction, why these movies like Food Inc. and Cowspiracy, which are totally full of nonsense, by the way, but why do they sell? It's, it's fear sells, uh, it's you know, fear. these catchy celebrities, like, you know, it, it's fear mongering. I mean, fear it's, it's fear. It's, it's fear. It's celebrity based. And it also capitalizes on ignorance. All right. Now's the time we got to start wrapping things up. I love your thoughts on the future of production agriculture. I agree with you that the future is going to be bright. It's going to be smaller. There's going to be less farmers. There's going to be more technology. There'll be autonomous tractors. There'll be large scale production facilities for livestock. That's just the way things are going to go. There will also be niche. There will be small operators like you and your Suffolk sheep. There will be direct farm to table uh, consumers buying at farmers markets. But in general, there's going to be a bigger spread between those two things when I look at the future of agriculture. I think your little sheep operation is still going to make it, Miss Farm, babe. Are you excited about that? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I mean, my barn is my happy place, you know. Of all the places that I've, I've done a lot of traveling, you know, you, we travel a lot of speakers. and But, you know, when I come home, that's what I'm most excited to see is to be in the barn as my happy place. Um, I love working with the animals every day. So, yeah. They, we're they we're up the happy. That's good. Farming and agriculture is a happy place. As we always say, though, that's why it's the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's a lifestyle. It's an enjoyment factor, but it's also got to be a business. And that's why people tune in here to get ideas and perspective from ag professionals much like you. 
My girl, the farm babe, Michelle Miller, has been my guest. We're going to wrap up now. We're going to ask her, what's one idea, one thought, one thing you want to send our people out the door with thinking about? I think I just would like everybody to really think about, I guess, when it comes to agriculture, just think about a lot of common sense. You know, my platform deals with a lot of consumer education, a lot of consumer outreach. I'm trying to branch outside of agriculture, but there's so much misinformation out there about our industry. There's so much fake news and everything like that. So my goal is to just tell people to have common sense and think about talking to farmers about farming is to talk to plant breeders about plant breeding and to celebrate all that is our industry by learning from the people that do it every day. You know, so, um, if you wanted, if you had a toothache, you wouldn't go to your car mechanic, right? If you, if you wanted to fix your car, you wouldn't go to your dentist. So why are people listening to, you know, people that have no experience? Like if you want to learn about animal agriculture, you should talk to animal welfare experts. You should talk to the farmers that are raising thousands of pigs for the last 50 years. Like they are the experts, not the pitas of the world that maybe they live in a New York city high rise and have never been to a farm a day in their life, you know? So I think just remembering to always go to the source that activists have a story to tell. Sometimes farmers or food companies have a story to tell, but the truth, you know, it, it usually lies somewhere in the middle. So I encourage everybody to do the best they can to reach out and connect with us as much as we want to connect with them. Fantastic. That's the farm babe, Michelle Miller. Check her out. She's big on social media. You can follow her there. You can follow me as well at Damien P. Mason, Damien Mason Professional Speakers, my Facebook page, Damien Mason on LinkedIn, and as ever here on the Business of Agriculture podcast. We appreciate you joining us. I have a feeling the farm babe is going to come back and join me again because she's got plenty to say. Keep up with her. Keep up with me. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on the Business of Agriculture.